Hi, I'm Liz Stokel. And I'm Debbie Rude. We're Dancing with Skeletons. We know what it's like to keep our past hidden away, like skeletons in a closet. We also know the healing that comes from acknowledging who we used to be and how much we've learned. So every once in a while, we dance with our skeletons. So come dance with us. Starting this one cracking up today. <laughs> I, we are laughing. How's it going, Debbie? Uh, well, it's, it's, um, I feel like I can breathe, Liz. I know. We've had an election had and an election. Um, we are feeling hopeful. Yes, we are. I think we're feeling hopeful. Yeah, and I, and I, I feel like I've, and I, it might, maybe it's just me, because um, I haven't really had this discussion with people, but I just sense that there's a the air feels lighter somehow, like, and it feels quieter in the world. The yes. world seems quieter, and Facebook seems quieter. Now mm-hmm. I know that there are different pockets that aren't, but it just things feel quieter, and that's been nice for me. Yeah, um, I, I completely agree, and it's it's kind of nice to not see the signs on all the neighbors' yards. And there was a yeah. mix in my neighborhood. My too. There was my a too. mix. It's not like it was one side. No. Nope. But it's nice to see those gone. It's nice mm-hmm. that the um, commercials are gone off of yes. TV. Yes. You know, and you can just sit and watch TV. And you don't and have to be berated or whatever the word is of with... Bombarded, you know, with, bombarded hate. with hate. Yeah. 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 And vitriol. Yeah, yeah. And you feel like it, they're, it's at you. Like, you know, if you don't vote for da 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 it just feels so attacking. It does. Oh. It does. It feels very, um, it, it's been very hard. So it does feel kind of peaceful. And right before yeah. we started talking, we were just laughing about uh, things our kids have said and done. And it's S- kind silly of silly things. stuff. Silly <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Um, but you know what? You've also had some heartbreak over the last um, couple of weeks. And I know mm-hmm. for me that one of the skeletons in my closet, one of the things that people especially want to me to keep in my closet and keep the door closed on is heartbreak. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think a lot of people don't really know how to handle it, and so they're like, ah, Liz, you don't need to talk about that. Right. Shut because, the door because on if that. Because if you talk about it, then all you're doing is bringing it all back up again, which in some instances there might be some truth to that, you yeah. know, but yeah. it really is healthy to talk about painful things because you know it it gets it out of your system and kind of into somewhere else into it it goes up into the cloud (laughs) with all the other things that are stored up there wherever the cloud is that's where it's at well and and i know that you know sometimes just by talking about it we can open the door to other people yeah oh um for sure you know also sharing their their pain so what what kind of heartbreak have you had over the last week or two it's just been you've had kind of a rough you have had yeah kind of a rough few days i have i actually have so um there's a gentleman in my life who um uh just a a significant male figure Mm -hmm. older gentleman and uh, he passed away um, a week ago today and um the only thing that i mean 
when I heard of his passing, I, I knew it was coming because he was in hospice and I'm very good friends um, and very close with his granddaughter who I taught singing lessons to for years and years and years, like mm-hmm. 13 years. So wow. this is a family that has... I feel like we're family, kind of. And he he was raising his granddaughter, He was raising his granddaughter, yeah. And he got diagnosed with cancer maybe five years ago or so. And he was a lifetime smoker. He was in the military. He had a really, really, really fascinating life. Um, So when when I learned of his passing, it, it, it really made me sad initially just because I wasn't expecting it. I had just been over there visiting him. So it would kind of that came as a shock, but I did know it was coming. Um, and after a few hours of kind of okay, you know, he's gone. I, I didn't. I don't necessarily feel sad anymore because he lived a great, amazing life. You know, he really, really did. But that initial hearing of that, and I don't have very many significant males. In my life, I have a handful, mm-hmm. um, and um, so I mean, my father is a significant male, and I had a couple grandpas. Um, but it's when there's other male figures that kind of step in, and kind of act as a protector, I'll say, and very respectful, and just right, just kind of like a dad, right. you know. Um, and so that was Al. So we lost Al this week, and so yeah, that it, it broke my heart. Um, and then I have another young man in my life who yesterday, last night actually, hasn't been 24 hours, uh, called me just devastated over a breakup. Mm -hmm. And, um, just when you hear, when I was hearing the things he was saying to me about the things that he wants for his life, this is a young man who's had a troubled past and he's really really working hard and has worked so hard to get his life back and to make different choices and he's really on a path of wanting a wife wanting kids wanting a family wanting kind of a sense of normalcy and um got his heart broken really really badly and so that then kind of triggered my own heartbreak and gave me a nightmare and I woke up crying and because you it brought up memories it brought up past heartbreak it brought up my own past heartbreak of when I was breaking up with my first husband and um how devastatingly painful that was yeah and you know I think we've all had deep awful heartbreak you know I mean it's part of being human Mm -hmm. you know and you if you don't experience some loss and some heartbreak, then it's hard to be empathetic when you're faced with another person. I mean, we're all going to have heartbreak, you know, and so... Um, well, and I'm particularly uh, um, drawn to the idea that you had this older man mm-hmm. who had loved you and invested in you totally. and kind of um, supported you mm-hmm. and your life choices and, and, and supported your business to a he degree. He really, really and did. he was really a super kind man. And because he poured into you, you have something to pour out and you in turn have poured it out on not only his granddaughter when you were teaching, but you've poured it out onto this other young man mm-hmm. who needs kind of a mom figure. Yeah. So 
you've had a dad figure who you lost and you have a son figure who's going through crisis and yeah. you've been able to love them because your bucket has been filled yeah, by a, these other people. That's a good way to put that. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so heart heartbreak. It's it's been pretty much in my face, and uh, and then another uh, one more thing is I one of my very dear friends is moving away today, Aww. and I just went and said goodbye to her a couple hours ago before yeah. we met here today. So I had to say goodbye to my friend Jennifer. She may be back. We'll see, but yeah. she'll probably be gone for a while, and so that was sad. So. I was thinking about all the ways that we suffer heartbreak, all the ways that our hearts are broken. Mm-hmm. And, of course, death. But there's breakups and mm-hmm. the losing, the loss of a pet, mm-hmm. um, the loss of friends, the heartbreak that only a child can, can, cause. can bestow <laughs> and cause on a mom. Yeah. There is no greater heartbreak yeah. uh, than, than, you know, what a child can do to you. And, um, and, but that is the cost of deep love. Yeah. So the cost of deep love is sometimes deep heartbreak. Yep. And, um, and if you close off and don't allow yourself to feel the deep love, which is probably the best thing in life, then you'll never get to experience, and you'll never get to experience that if right. if you close off and you're not open to the idea that you could get your heart broken, right. and and that's a scary thing, and especially for people who have had a lot of hurts. There's a there's this slow, potentially. Um, closing of the heart that can happen over time of your hurt after hurt after hurt and and sometimes it it takes a lot of things to kind of undo that it takes a lot of hard painful work mm-hmm. for people to undo some of those kinds of of heartaches and heartbreaks so um you know here's the truth about people who have been particularly wounded or have suffered a lot of heartbreak they will sometimes like you were saying close themselves mm-hmm. off as a, as a way to protect themselves from further heartbreak. Mm-hmm. So then what happens is somebody might invite them over to play canasta or to, yeah. or to go to the lunch. Or, and, and the answer might be no. And if the answer is no too many times, then the invitations stop coming. Right. And then, of course, the loneliness continues and the heartbreak maybe continues. And so... Uh, of course, it's hard to be, you know, have somebody say no to you all the time. Right. But I know that I had a, you know, I had a family member say, I'm tired of asking you to come have lunch with me because your answer is always no. And I don't want to hear you say no to me anymore. Well, here's the reality of that. The reality is that up until the pandemic, I was working three jobs. I also have a husband mm-hmm. and a home. You're busy. I'm very, very busy. And um, it, saying no was not personal. It was truly, I'm sorry, but you're asking me to lunch at a time on a day when I'm working eight hours. And you can't. And I can't. Um, so instead of taking it personally, how about if you ask me again? And if you ask a person out to lunch 10 times and they say no nine out of those 10 times, then that 10th lunch might be exactly what both of you need. Right, right. So if that's something that's on your heart to keep after a person, then keep after them. 
Well, I mean, I know I've said to people before, keep calling me, just keep <laughs> keep asking, you know. Yeah. Because you know, one of these days it'll it's gonna work out. But yeah. But, but you're right. Busy people sometimes have a hard time. You know, making time. Making time. You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I actually I've I've had a friend, two friends actually I can think of circumstances where, you know, they came to me and said, you know, Deb, it's just. It's hard to have a friendship with you because you're just too busy, and I don't. I just don't feel like you have time for me, and that was kind of painful, you know, to hear because it's like maybe I am guilty of not making time somehow. But when you're busy, it's really, really hard sometimes to to even find an hour. Right. I know even even now during this pandemic time when I'm not as busy as I have been. Like, if, you know, there are people that I want to see, so I'll ask them, well, can you come down to my neck of the woods? Because I'll be able to spend more time if you can come down here, and then I only have to go this far, and then we can spend more time together, and it'll be a lot easier for me, you know. And that and people do. They, they say, yeah, sure, I'll come down to your neighborhood, and we can eat somewhere there, and, right. and that's always helpful. But. That's very helpful. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the times in your life when you have experienced unexpected heartbreak? In other words, are there situations that have happened that you had no idea that you, that were going to hit you that hard? Can you think of anything? I'm kind of putting you on the spot, but... Hmm. I'm sure I could think of things... You know, I mean, I can think of situations with my kids that I had no idea what were going to happen. Right. And were really, really tricky. Um, I think, honestly, this election. Mm-hmm. I think this, in this last few months, and just the climate of the world has, has broken my heart. Mm-hmm. And I have found myself sitting at my table. I think I maybe mentioned this a couple podcasts ago. Just, like, weeping. Mm-hmm. And just not really understanding what is going on and just feeling this deep sense of somehow heartache and like like there's just this collective heartache Mm -hmm. or something. What about you? Yeah, uh, definitely in the past year, I think I've had really unexpected heartache. I have found myself crying over things that don't matter to me personally. I mean, they really don't change whether or not I'm going to wake up tomorrow and and the, the situation in my own home. And yet I find myself just, you know, falling apart and weeping over things. I, I see friends on Facebook that are uh, saying just the most ridiculous things, and I find myself just crying. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, and, it's like you're grieving over and, it. And I'm grieving and mourning, and I'm like, why is this affecting me so much? Why am I crying over this? A friend will post the loss of their dog. Yeah. And I will just fall into a puddle. And yeah. this is a dog I've never met. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I know the person, but I don't know the dog, and yet I find myself just in a heap. Um, A friend of mine had a baby this morning, and she posted, or late last night maybe, and she posted pictures on social media of the baby, but she also said, you know, they're keeping him in NICU for a little while because they they're concerned about a sound that he's making as he breathes, and 
I'm sure that it's nothing and he's going to be fine. Right. But I found myself just crying. Yeah. Tears are coming for no reason. Yeah. Again, I've not met this child. Yeah. Um, but I know the mom and I don't want her to have anything but joy as right. she has turns a, around and has a baby and brings the baby home. I right. want him to be perfect. Right. And he certainly, there's no reason to believe that anything right. is wrong. But it's just one of those things that I have, I'm, I'm finding myself in in puddles of tears quite often. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I think... The, the world has seemed like it was in such this weird state of unrest for so long. And, you know, there's, there's, it, it still sort of is, you know, there's, mm-hmm. it's, you know, we're, we're, we're still in a, in a interesting spot. Mm-hmm. But I, I mean, I think, uh, do you know what dysthymia is? Have you no. Heard? Dysthymia is, um, I'm, I'm I'm hoping I'm saying that word correctly, but it's like low grade depression. Okay. So it's 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 related to depression. It's like just general malaise kind of a thing. Okay. You know, but it's a real thing. It's mm. a real thing that in mental health, you know, I mean, the, the doctors told me that you have the dysthymia. You just kind of have this, like having a low grade fever. You mm-hmm. just have this kind of low grade bull, and I feel like. That is how I have felt kind of all year. It's just kind of ho-dee-do, <laughs> you know, and, yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm still trying to think about things that break my heart. I, I know this is, a, this is ridiculous, but I'm going to say this publicly. You know what breaks my heart? And I, I can't tell you how many times this has made me cry. Mm-hmm. This is so stupid what I'm going to say out loud, but like... Uh-huh. I'll be in a parking lot, say, mm. and and somebody thinks that, like, maybe maybe I accidentally pull out because I didn't see the car. I mean, in all genuineness, I didn't see the person, and so... You weren't trying to be a rude I driver. I wasn't trying to be a rude <laughs> driver. I never tried to be... And I, and I go, like, you know, hand signal, like, I'm sorry, and they're like... Yeah. And they flip me off. Right. That'll make that'll that'll put me in tears. That'll just totally make me cry. Right. Like I don't know them. Why do? I, why do you care? Why do I care? And it was like, really, you're flipping me off when I didn't do anything. <laughs> you know. You know that kind of stuff. People who are mean. Yeah. It breaks my heart if someone says something mean to me and I perceive it to be mean. Right. It just it crushes me. Yeah. And people, you know, well, Debbie, you just need to have a thicker skin, and I probably really do. But that it just it devastates me. Well, you know, funny you say that because it made me think that something that I will fall into a puddle of tears about, and my husband's like, "What, what is, is wrong? wrong? <laughs> what is wrong with you? This doesn't matter." But if I say something, if I make a comment on Facebook or Twitter or something. And um, that's just a benign comment, uh-huh. just a, or maybe another point of view. That's not combative, right, just, right. just another point of view. And people, oh, my favorite color is red, instead of, you know, your favorite color is blue, whatever. It doesn't even have to be combative. It can just be my own personal point of view. If somebody laughs at that and posts a laughing emoji at my comment, it may <laughs> 
I will fall apart in a puddle of tears, especially when it wasn't funny. They're just laughing at me, you know, and that will cause me to completely lose it. That's so funny. And so I know that we are so, so... Um, on edge, mm-hmm. we're sensitive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I remember 20 years ago, we've talked about us having to leave a church that I loved with all of my heart, and we were forced to leave it, and it was devastating. And I found myself in this very deep depression, mm-hmm. um, really, really depressed. And it wasn't dysthymia. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It was real dark. I mean, I actually, yeah. I I remember one day just getting in my car and driving up into the mountains and thinking all I have to do is take off my seatbelt and drive around this corner I, a little bit too fast. All I have to do is drive over that hill and I see that empty um, river below. I've thought those same exact things before. And that's the only time, Liz. That's weird. I've never heard anyone else say that. I, I mean, I've just thought I could just veer off the road. Yeah. That's the only time I've ever had those kind of, uh, like a dark thought like that about, right. it's like, uh, is when I'm in the car. Yeah. Isn't that funny? Yeah. And so I, I remember thinking, all I have to do is drive off the road, and one of two things are going to happen. Either I'm going to find out who cares about me because they're going to come to the hospital and see me, or I'm, it's all going to be over, and that and either situation mm-hmm. is probably going to be okay. And that, that was very, very hard. You know, it was very hard because I had a husband and kids, and yeah. you know, but I was so, so sad. Every friend that I thought I had, every involvement in every extracurricular activity, yeah, was all of, of my art, all of my everything was wrapped up in this church, and just like that, it was over. And um, so I was, I was in the super dark place, and I, I went to my doctor, who had the bedside manner of a circus clown. I mean, he <laughs> nice. was he was not any good at um, deep empathetic kindness, mm-hmm. um, and that's probably one of the reasons that made him and continues to make him a really great doctor. Um, but uh, I said, I, I need something. I, I need something. And I, I went to counseling, and I went to therapy, and I you know, but as far as a prescription went, it needed to come from either a yeah. psychiatrist or a doctor. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I went to my doctor, and I said, I need something because I'm just so depressed. And he actually went to this same church. Um, where I was no longer welcome. And he said, well, that's what you get when you leave a church. People are very territorial about church, and that's what you get. And he was just kind of, now, he still gave me an antidepressant, which I just have to say for the record was terrible and made me extremely anxious and, Mm. you know, and it didn't work the way it was supposed to. But, um, But he's not wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, A lot of people will tell you to get over it. Yeah. Uh, they want you to put your feelings, your emotions, your pain in the closet and shut the door yeah. and don't bring it out. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of reasons why people want to do that. Yeah. You know, I mean, what are some of the reasons that you think people don't want to listen to your emotions? <laughs> Because blah, blah, blah. <laughs> because, yeah, because it sounds like Charlie Brown's. Yeah, Charlie Brown's teacher. That's what it sounds like to them. It's just more noise. Mm-hmm. So that's part of it. Um, 
I just think that, you know, and I think I used to to be more, I'll say, vocal about, you know, things that were going on. I think as I've gotten older, you know, I'm a little bit, I, I don't, I used to just feel like I could tell anybody everything that was going on, right. you know, kind of, and I don't, I don't do that quite so much. I'm a little bit more, I withhold, I'll say a little bit more as I've gotten older, which I think is wise because... You know, not everybody needs to know everything that's right. going on. Um, so, but I, I, for me, it's it it helps me to feel better by talking about it, and I, it always surprises me when there's another person who isn't that way. Right. You know, right. It, it surprises me that. They just don't want to talk about it. Don't want to talk about it right now. Just can't, you know. And and I, it's, it always takes me by surprise, right. you know, because I think, well, seems like you would want to talk about it, <laughs> you know. You know, I just I don't I don't get that. Well, and and I think that that you're 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 saying exactly what needs to be said is that we are all very different. We really are, and we process grief differently. We process our emotions and the news of the day differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when somebody tells you you need to be quiet or, uh, you know, get over it right. or put it in the closet and shut the door, that's not necessarily about you. Right. That's really about them. Yeah. They don't know what to say. The, I was just going to say that a lot of times people don't know what to say. Yeah, they and really... don't know what to do, and they don't have the mm-hmm. they don't have the tools. But they also honestly can't help you. Right. I mean, when I talk to people about what I'm going through, honestly, I don't need help. Uh, I I just need an ear. Yeah. You yeah. know, and my husband and I chit chat about this sometimes. Because husbands, listen up. Husbands, listen up. <laughs> husbands, this is for you. Um, <laughs> A lot of times your wife doesn't need you to fix it. Yeah. She wants you to just listen and cry with her. <laughs> she just wants you to listen. But the truth of the matter is, is it is in a man's DNA mm-hmm. to be like the caveman with a big stick and go out and, and bring in the food and, and drag it in and light the fire. Uh, and that that's that's an oversimplification of the difference between men and women. I know, and I'm not saying all men are no. cavemen or all <laughs> women want to be, you know, sitting at home. I'm not Crying. saying anything like that. I'm just saying that it it true men and women are different. We really are. We and really are. Oftentimes, your man wants to fix things, and if he's if he's a good husband, that he feels like it's his role mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is to fix it. So if you say, hey, I am so sad about, you know, so-and-so said this thing, don't be surprised if he picks up the phone and calls so-and-so and balls him out and, you know. Right. And that's really not what you wanted. You, you don't want necessarily somebody doing that. You just wanted to talk. Right, right. You know? Well, that's what girlfriends are for. <laughs> that is what girlfriends are for. That is the absolute truth. That's what girlfriends and podcasts and different things are for. <laughs> Therapists. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, no, don't get me wrong. My, me and me and John, we talk great. We, you know. Yeah. But we, he, he and I definitely process things differently. And I'm way much more of a talker than he is yeah. when it comes to talking about hard things. 
And um, we've, we've had a little bit of, of headbutting about it in terms of the way we deal with one another, in, you know, yeah. when there's something hard going on. And, and Tom and I have too, and there have been times, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I even have talked about the fact that we separated for a while when we were going through crisis, because the truth of the matter is, is we didn't need to also care for one another while we were trying to process, you know, everything own, that was yeah. going on. And so it's okay. It's okay to process things differently. Yeah. It's okay to walk away from your spouse and just say, I, I need to process this on my own. Um, it's okay to not expect your spouse to fix it for you. Yeah, yeah. That that right there is really, I think, what why my marriage now I I think we work better because I had in my first marriage I had an expectation that was I think I don't think I know was unrealistic in terms of what you just said you know he couldn't fix my heartache he couldn't fix my heartbreak he couldn't fix my my sadness though you know I mean he can be there but he can't, but he can't fix it, and it, and I think I had an expectation that that's what his job was was to fix Deb, yeah. you know, and 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 I know I know better now that that was an unreasonable expectation that I put on him and that he carried. Which was, I think, part of the reason why, you know, our marriage didn't work out. Because you were asking him to carry a weight that wasn't his to carry. Exactly, it's my own, and right. and so you know after. Um, more than 10 years of therapy, you know, I, I, but I learned, I learned, and that's a a safe place to talk and a safe place to talk about all of your heartaches and the deepest, deepest parts of them, you know, um, and it makes, it makes then talking about hard things, not so scary Mm -hmm. when you've done it enough times and you go, okay, you know, that might make me feel something, but it's okay to feel that. I'm not going to die if mm-hmm. I have, if I feel sad or if I feel afraid or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to die. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. I, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to get through this. And, and once I get through talking through this and talking about it, then it's going to be okay. So, yeah. you know, I mean, like when, when I learned that Al died, uh, it was last Wednesday morning, mm-hmm. I think, is when... Uh, she called. It was either Tuesday morning or Wednesday morning mm-hmm. when I got that call. And I literally fell to my knees. Mm-hmm. Like I fell to my knees and I just sobbed. Mm-hmm. And then I went, I'm supposed to be at the dentist. Oh so, <laughs> so I called the dentist and I told the lady, and I, I, I'm not coming in. Yeah. You know, and, and but I was able to then call John and we talked through it. And, you know, I mean, yeah. it, it was... It was okay. Yeah. It was okay. So And sometimes our broken heart uh, carries, just like you were talking about with your first marriage and now your second marriage, is we carry that broken heart into our next relationship. We sure do. And it, it can cause damage, whether it's relationship with, with girlfriends or spouses mm-hmm. or boyfriends or, you yeah. know, it just... Just people we see in the supermarket when we, you know, make assumptions about why somebody looked at us a certain way. It's often because we've had 
a broken heart that we're now carrying with us. That's right. Um, I remember, you know, my first husband, he probably had 10 jobs in the two and a half years that we were married. And every, you know, they would last like six weeks. And um, I, he, he gave me one paycheck the entire time we were married to help with expenses wow. in the home. One. And so for two and a half years, I supported him a hundred percent with my little job and even when I had a baby and and was on wow, you know I 100 percent supported him and I was always well you know next month well next you know next paycheck uh, he'll next paycheck he'll contribute oh and then he didn't have a job for a month or you know well the next job will he'll make more and I just kept making excuses for him right and, you know, ultimately what I discovered was that there was an awful lot of money going to cocaine and that kind of a thing. <laughs> um, but I would excuse, well, the car needed this or the car, you know, he had a car. The car, you know, mm-hmm. needed something. Yeah, and yeah, I yeah. would make a lot of excuses. So then you get into my second marriage where I've been married to a man who is completely responsible with money. I don't ever have to think about anything. He pays all the bills. Wow. I never have to worry about whether or not my electricity is going to stay on. or And I don't have to look at the checking account and count it down to the penny. And we have gone through very difficult financial times. Um, he was self-employed for three years yeah, in a business that didn't yeah, work out. Yeah, yeah. We've gone through really tough times. And yet I've never had to worry about the fact that ultimately he would take care of me yeah. and he would take care of our family. But in the beginning of our marriage, if he said, you know, I'm really not feeling good today, I think I'm going to call in sick, I would get so anxious mm-hmm. because I thought, is this is this be... the beginning of him not going to work? Uh-huh. Is he going to lose this job? Right. Is this going to be another cycle? And yeah, have you repeated the same yeah. yeah, yeah. Did I marry the same kind of guy yeah, who's just yeah. going to go from job to job? Yeah. And he's probably had, I don't know, four or five jobs in the 35, 36 years we've been married. But one of them he had for 20 years. You know, the other ones were yeah. jobs that led to other jobs. It's not like, sure, you know, anything bad happened. It just was the progression of a career. Right. Um, but I got so, so, so anxious when he would call in sick. And I would start to, you know, play these scenarios in my head. Mm-hmm. So I, I think, you know, we need to be very aware mm-hmm. of our broken heart. Yeah. Even if somebody tells us to keep it in a closet, well, and we I need to be aware. I was just going to say, too, I mean, I can work myself into having a broken heart even if I don't actually have one. <laughs> Right? My thoughts can sometimes spin me into some weird rabbit hole where I'm sure that the other shoe is going to fall and I'm going to get a broken heart. Right. Because of just my own brokenness, you right. know, and, and, and my crazy imagination sometimes. Right. But have you ever done that? Where, where you like just, you just, you sit there and you just imagine like the worst possible thing. I do that with my health. My health, like, okay, I'm going to. I've got I've got a little scratch on my finger. It must be cancer. I'm dying. <laughs> and then I and then I'm in my mind at my you know last meal saying goodbye to everybody and I 
I'm I have a broken heart and it's not even happening. Right. God, Debbie. Right. <laughs> oh no, I have done that too. And a I lot have, of people do that. <laughs> well, I think that it's very it's very human. Yeah. Um, and maybe it's a protective thing. Maybe what we're doing is protecting ourselves from the worst case scenario. My husband <laughs> we're will trying say, to. We're trying to. We're trying to I, control it, Liz. And that was last week. <laughs> That's right. Let's not talk about control. We can't control it. My husband will say that he, if something is going on, he will think, okay, what's the very worst thing that could happen? And then as soon as he gets to the place where he can accept the very worst thing, he's like, everything else is gravy. Right. right you know, right. everything else is just frosting on oh, the cake I mean, because the very worst thing hasn't happened. Right. Well, my worst thing is always, well, I could die. Even, you know, what is the worst thing that happen if you don't like the hair color? I could die. <laughs> what is the worst thing that could happen? <laughs> Well, that seems a little extreme. I know. <laughs> I'm just saying it's, you know, everybody has little nuggets of crazy. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So that's probably and mine. It's fun to I... sit in a little room across from you <laughs> and have you share your crazy with me because I walk out of here going, I am not so bad. Right? That's right. <laughs> so hopefully there's people listening who can go, oh, thank God. I know, exactly. Well, if any of my family listens to this, which I hope at some point they do, they'll they'll tell you that she's not lying. <laughs> My oldest son has said, I hope you're okay with the fact that I'm not going to listen to this because I get so embarrassed and I just don't want to hear your voice. And I'm like, I don't care. Don't listen to it. I I don't Um, don't know if my kids have listened, but... You know, I was thinking about a mutual friend of ours um, who had a significant other pass away a couple of years ago. We were both at the funeral. Yes, we were. And... um, one of the things that the pastor said has stuck with me in a huge way. And what he said was, if she comes to your mind, do not call her and say, what can I do for you? Or or ask her, how can I help? Or if you need anything. If you need anything, let me know. Yeah. Because the last thing she needs is to think about what to tell you to do right. because she didn't need anything else on her plate right. and giving you instructions on how you can help her is something she didn't need on her plate. Right. So if she comes into your mind, just send her a card Yeah. or take her to lunch huh. or bring her a meal or call her up and just ask her how she's doing and just ask her how she's mm-hmm. doing. Don't make her think about you and how to make you feel better in the situation. Right, right. You know, that's just adding an, um, another layer yeah. of, of business and pain on top of business mm-hmm. and pain. I think that's a mistake that most of us have made where you're, you're trying to be helpful, but really it's, it's not. Right. And it does exactly what you're saying. Now this poor person has, you know... 37 people saying, you know, call me if you need me. What can I do for you? And now, you know, how are you supposed to keep all that right straight? And what are you supposed to say? Are you, you know, I, I, I might have, gosh, I might have shared this story before, but uh, forgive me if I have. But um, I I remember a friend, her mother-in-law passed away. And another friend said to her, what do you need? I mean, right now, what do you need? And she said, you know what I need? I need my laundry done. And she said, 
do it. Just put everything in a plastic bag, put it out on the porch. And I'll do it. And I'll do it. And that's exactly what happened. And she came home, and when she came home at the end of the day, all of her laundry was done and folded and in boxes on her porch. That's awesome. She never had to see, you know, the person. She never had. She just said, gosh, you know, your laundry needs to be done. I remember one time we were in this uh, really impossible situation, and we woke up in the morning and got a flat tire. And so we were supposed to meet with some people later in the day and long story. But anyway, they said, so what do you need? What do you need right now? And I said, we have a flat tire. You know, on top of everything else, we Mm -hmm. have a flat tire. And they said, "We're, we're on it. And they left and they went to our house and they got our tire and they took it and they got wow. it repaired or bought a new one or whatever. They and brought it back to the house and put it back on the car. And by the time we got home, we had a repaired tire. That's awesome. Because somebody just said, that's what you need right now to make it through today. Yeah. Yeah. You need your tire fixed. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think about that a lot. I think about that counsel a lot mm-hmm. because when, when, I remember that, Liz. I, re- I remember that pastor saying that. And, I mean, I don't know that it stuck with me like it did with you, but I can I really can remember that standing out because I'd never heard anybody say it like that before. Yeah. You know? Yeah, because so much of the time we're really told, you know, if, if you think about them, call them up, see what you can do for them. Well, no. <coughs> Excuse me. How about if you just go do something for them, you right. know? Right. Because our, um, our needs are... You know, sometimes very, very practical. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes it's really, really hard to ask for help, especially when you're in the middle of a broken heart like that. Yeah. It's like, oof, that's the last thing people want to do is to reach out and ask. It's hard to do. Right. right. Somebody, um, somebody called me once, and again, we were, it was, it was a horrible crisis time, and we were spending 24 hours a day um, trying to kind of keep the wheels in motion, and a friend called up, and she said, I'm coming over to your house to clean out your refrigerator. Don't say no. Ooh. Well, you might think, okay, that's, you know, okay, um, but what do you think I did? You cleaned it out before she got there. <laughs> not only that but I cleaned up the rest of my house and the whole time I'm vacuuming I'm crying because I had other things that I needed to do I was in this crisis and I needed there were other things more pressing than vacuuming but because I had somebody coming over to my house to clean up my refrigerator I was vacuuming (laughs) I mean how ridiculous was that I would, that sounds like something I would do. That's, so that's, you're sort of crazy too. (laughs) You know. Well, I don't want anybody to see how dirty my refrigerator is. Well, they knew I was in crisis, so it's not like, it's not like they expected my house to be clean or, you know, the refrigerator to be cleaned. And, but actually what would have been better actually is just to show up at the house with groceries that I hadn't had time to go shop for. Yeah. Um, they didn't need to come in and clean my refrigerator. You know, they just <laughs> needed to bring the groceries. Um, and so, you know, sometimes when we think about what we might do in a situation is not necessarily right. what is actually needed in the right. situation. Right. So how can we how can we really reach out to people whose hearts are broken and and how can we be more 
uh, we care about yeah. people. Uh, I mean, I think I think by asking more specific questions, and you know, usually if someone in your life or yourself is in that broken heart state, like when I was speaking yesterday with my young man friend, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I know him so well that I think I knew the specific things that I could ask him mm-hmm. and think ways that I can help. Um, and so I think it helps when you know somebody pretty well. Mm-hmm. It's right. it's easier to ask and, you know, um, so I think asking specific questions and I think doing what you said, you know, just almost insisting, I'm going to come over right now I'm going to go to the grocery store. What do you need? Mm-hmm, I'm going right. to bring you some groceries. Right. Or sending them a card. Or if you know they love to shop at Trader Joe's, sending them a, a Trader Joe's card. Gift card, yeah. um, it, Practical things, you know, I think really, really help. And I And then I think... <sighs> For me, like when I'm in a, when I'm in that place of having a broken heart, just trying to let my guard down enough so that I'm not afraid to ask for help myself. Mm-hmm. You know, if, even even if it's you know John, hey John, will you just hug me for a minute while I cry about Al? Mm-hmm. Right. You know, just let me kind of get it out and just process this and you know would you go pick up dinner at go yeah. pick up a salad and, yeah so that I don't have to put yeah. it together exactly you know, and I don't want to think about it and yeah yeah I think I think some other things we can do for people who are hurting is not is not minimize their their hurting because we don't understand it right. so if they're crying for months over the loss of a pet you know what that's okay. Mm-hmm. That's that's their way of processing it. And because you think they should get over it, right. doesn't mean that that they need to get over it right then and there. This is their way of processing it. Right. Um, if they've cried over the loss of a, a you know a car that they loved, I mean, I let them process. Mm-hmm. You know, so just because you don't understand it. That's right. That's right. Or the other thing that I think sometimes we do is we give them advice on how they can fix it. Mm-hmm. Or or saying insensitive things like, well, God, this is God's will, or God, this is his plan, or her plan, or whoever's yeah. plan. And, and saying things like that are not helpful. Are not helpful. No. And so if we give somebody advice on how they can fix their problem, and they don't take our advice, well... That's because it's they're not us, and right. and it's not their way of doing things. Right. So their pain is not about you. Right. You know. So giving them advice is silly. Right. And when you're in that crisis, you can you can handle it any way you want. Right. But it it feels like if we're if we truly love somebody, watching them go through crisis or nurse a broken heart. The way they do it, how long it takes, mm-hmm. is is really not is yeah. really not for us to decide. Yeah, I am. Um, I'm I'm a hospice volunteer. Although during COVID, I haven't been able to do much of that, and we have to take lots and lots of courses and lots of hours of training on you know, the things to say, mm-hmm. and we had to not do, say and and not say. Yeah, and there's honestly. There, it's more about what you don't say than it is about what you do say. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, what you don't say, um, you could sit there and say nothing and just sit there with the person 
that's going to be more helpful than saying one insensitive comment that's mm. just going to really, really be hurtful. Right. And so it's always, I think, wise that if you if you really don't know what to say, then you don't have to say anything. You know, you can just t- say, I'm here. Uh, I want to listen. You don't, don't try to fix it. Right. Because... You may end up saying something that is well intended, yeah. but it's just really comes off as in insensitive, yeah. and and can be hurtful. And even if you share the same religious beliefs or philosophical beliefs, um, that a time of broken heart crisis yeah. is not the time to say, you know, God has a bigger plan. Right. Or, it's just, you know, absolutely it, not. It, the it time. feels it feels dismissive yeah, when, it when you're in a puddle of tears. Yeah. And even if you think it's true, and yeah. you can say, my head knows that, but my heart is broken. Yeah. You know, yeah. let's just sit with people whose hearts are broken. Yeah. And I, there's a lot of people right now whose hearts there are broken. There really, really are. And, you know, I'm, I'm not afraid to say that I'm happy that the election turned out the way it did. I really am. But I also, it's interesting because of the way I am wound up and put together, <laughs> I actually felt sadness for folks on the other side of that. I mean, I, I have to. I genuinely feel sad. Mm-hmm. And I don't exactly know what that's about. I'm still actually trying to process why I feel sad mm-hmm. when I've been so anxious and so wanting this outcome. And now it's quiet. And I ha- there's, a, there's a strange sense of quiet and a little bit of sadness for folks that I know and love who it, it wasn't their outcome. And so right. I know that right. there's people in my life that are grieving over this and right. and, and, and con- confused over it and stuff. And so just I think the bottom line, Liz, is that we just be sensitive and just be careful of what we say, yeah. you know, and we don't need to say everything we think. <laughs> we don't need to... We just don't. <laughs> I know. Yeah, you we know. Really, we really don't. Uh, we really don't. And and you're right. And that's that's the perfect place to leave it because I, I think that you're right. I think I like you. I'm also grieving yeah. for those people who are on the other side, quote unquote. Yeah. Because we're all in this together. We and are. I get their I, grief. I do too. I do. I get it. I do too. So. If you have a broken heart today, know that you're loved and um, and it won't last forever. So, all right. Have a great week.